do that. Let's do that. Get out of here. Not that I don't want you here. I love you a lot. Yeah, preteen teens, stay in here. So like I said earlier, today we're going to be talking a little bit about Fast and the Furious as we continue on in our series, God in the Movies. We will sort of mention it uh, briefly. We won't really focus a lot on the movie itself, but we are going to hit some of the messages that we see in that movie and that whole series uh, kind of on the whole. Um, if you've not seen Fast and the Furious, I'll give you a little bit of a breakdown about what the movies are about. Um, they started like, what, like 20 years ago? <laughs> um, and the whole idea is centered around this group of people. Um, they started out as bad guys doing robberies, uh, but then we're sort of folded into being good guys, uh, driving fast cars and looking for other bad guys who drive fast cars. And, uh, and the, the whole, you know, one of the big selling points of all these movies is the ridiculous action that goes on. Uh, in Fast and the Furious 8, there's a Lamborghini that drives on an ice and a tank that's blowing stuff up. I mean, it's a great, it's great action. Um, but the whole crux of the, the movies is that these people, the main characters, are so close to one another that they consider themselves family. And so today we're going to be talking a lot about what that means for us as a church, as a big C church, not, not necessarily just River Oaks, but the church on the whole, the church globally. What does that mean for us when we take that message about what we see in this movie, or this series of movies, about these group of people who are strangers, essentially. They're not related to one another, but they're so close and they look out for each other so much that they consider themselves family. Um, so we're going to be in John chapter 14. So if you've got your Bibles, that's where we're going to be. I'm sorry, John 13. John chapter 13. And we're going to start in verse 31. So if you've got your Bibles, we'll be in John 13, starting in verse 31. And we're going to go through 35, and it says this, in my version says this, Therefore, when he had gone out, Jesus said, Now uh, is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. Continuing in verse 32, it says, If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify in him in himself, and will glorify him immediately. And he's speaking to his disciples, and he says this in verse 33, Little children, I am with you a little while longer. You will seek me. And, I, and as I said to the Jews, now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Some powerful words that Jesus is giving to his disciples just before he leaves, just before he ascends. And so there are some important messages that we're going to pick out from these short verses as it relates to uh, our walks and as we sort of tie it into this uh, Fast and the Furious movie. One of the best quotes from the movie, we hear one of the main characters, uh, who played by Vin Diesel, his name is Dominic, or Dom, they call him in the movies. Uh, he's quoted in one of the movies as saying, everyone's looking for the thrill, but the only thing that's real is family. It's important for everyone to know, in, for, for him in those movies, that the most important thing to him is family. You can have all the fast cars you want. You can meet those, that quarter mile. You can do that quarter mile the best you can. But the real the real thing is family. 
And so here we have these verses, Jesus talking to his disciples. I kind of like the fact that he calls them little children. Um, <laughs> it's, it's sort of, uh, for me, it's like, yeah, no, I, I identify with that. <laughs> Jesus calls me a little kid. Um, because at this point, the disciples had learned a lot, but they hadn't necessarily learned everything. And I think we get to those points in our own lives where we think, yeah, I really, I'm really getting a handle on this thing called life. I'm really starting to figure this out. And then something happens. We're like, oh, no, I didn't know this at all. Uh, Dad was telling me about the last, the last speaker at CIY was talking about, they were talking about preparedness. And he was talking about all these moments in his life where he, was, he thought he was prepared for stuff. But then he met a girl and he figured out, oh, he's like, yeah, I'm prepared for this. But then he wasn't. And then he, uh, they got married. He was like, yeah, I'm prepared for this. And then he wasn't. And, and then they had a baby. And he was like, yeah, I'm prepared for this. No, I wasn't prepared for this. <laughs> I think that's very true. The first, man, the first kid, Kelsey, when Kelsey came, I was like, you can never be totally ready. Um, I thought we had a good handle on it. Nope, I did not have a good handle on it. Although she's been pretty good. Better than some of my other ones. So, uh, <laughs> but Jesus here in these verses talks about, um, and he says in verse 34, a new commandment I give to you. Now this is something that's interesting. The idea that God has called his people to love others was not a new commandment. It was not something that was new to the people who followed God. Way back in the Old Testament, God had instructed people to love one another. In fact, there were like these ten, this 10-step ten program that God gave to the Israelites. <laughs> and some of those were all about loving, like half of them were about loving other people. So it's not a new commandment necessarily that Jesus gives to his disciples here in this moment. However, the phrasing of it is new. Jesus is calling his disciples to love others as sacrificially as he does. Oh. Oh. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another, and here it is, even as I have loved you. Now, what did Jesus do for those of us that are still here and still humans? Yeah, he died for us. <laughs> oh. Well, this is a new commandment. You see, Jesus is asking us to love as sacrificially as he did. Oh. Okay. In the films, uh, the Fast and Furious films, we see some of the bad guys uh, doing their, their robberies or whatever they were doing that were bad, the antagonists of the movie. Once they see the value of the family of, that the good guys were sort of exhibiting, a lot of them move from being bad to good. It's sort of this interesting dichotomy that happens in these movies and happens several times that you'll have bad guys in the movie but then see the family dynamic of the good guys and sort of make their way over to being good. And the church can be a lot the same way. A church can be a lot the same way. Again, talking big C church. If people on the outside of church, if people on the outside of Christianity see churches being families and see churches loving one another sacrificially and see churches giving to people without expecting anything in return, that's going to say something to people. 
there's a lot of terms for people outside of the church. I've heard them called the nuns, or meaning that they don't have any religious affiliation. Um, we've thrown out terms for years and years, like atheists and agnostics. But no matter what you designate them as, a person outside of the church, or a person who doesn't attend church, a person who doesn't believe in what we believe, that's the whole point of what we do. The whole point of what we do is to share love and to share that the same love that Jesus gave to us, that sacrificial type of love. You see, people outside of the church, no matter what you designate them, no matter what label you put on them, when people outside of the church see what we do as a church, if we are doing things the right way, if we're loving sacrificially, if we're treating each other as family, I think people see that and crave that in their own life. There's a lot of brokenness in the world. After Anna's testimony today, I overheard somebody saying, we just don't understand. We don't get it. In America, we just don't get it. It's different. But people outside of what we do, the people that are outside of our walls, I think a lot of the time can look in and see family, and that's what they crave in their life because they can see that something's missing. There's a growing number of religiously unaffiliated people outside of the church craving community. The church should be the first place that people go. But churches have been so quick to be judgmental or so quick to not be a family with one another that a lot of people see what we do and don't want to have any part of it. A lot of people will come to church and they will see the gossiping and they'll see the backstabbing and they'll see the whatever it is and it totally turns them away. But if churches would rally together, love the type of love that God has called us to. He, we see it here in, in John thirteen thirty four that Jesus calls us to love one another as he has loved us. If we do that, if we exhibit that type of love, people are craving that type of love. People are craving the type of community that churches can provide. A few years ago, I read a book. I brought it with me. Um, a book called Unchristian. And it was created by David Kinneman, who's the, um, I think, president of Barna Group, uh, a research firm that does a lot of, a lot of research. A lot of it is religious-based, uh, but they do a lot, a lot of research. And he had a friend that um, sort of challenged him. He had a friend who was working at this really nice, high-paying job. He had everything set for life. He, was, he had benefits. He was being able to take care of his family. And then one day he went to David and said, Hey, I, I, I'm being called somewhere else. God has called me somewhere else. I'm, I'm quitting my job. And of course, David Kinneman being a uh, sort of black-and-white uh, Excel spreadsheet type person. <laughs> well, I think we all know those types. Uh, I'm definitely not one. But 
He said, no, 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 no. You can't quit your job. Do you understand what you would be doing? You'd be leaving all of this money. You'd be, you're set for life. You have your family taken care of. You can't do that. And he was like, David, it's, it's already done. I've already put in my, my notice. I've talked to my family. We're, we're ready to do this. We're ready to make this jump. And after this conversation, David came and started to see, yeah, you've, you've got to quit your job. You've got to do this thing that you want to do. <laughs> and his whole goal was that his name is Gabe Lyons. Gabe wanted to create a space or create resources for people who were looking for community. And so he challenged David Kimmon to write a book about the statistics of people who claim religious unaffiliation. (laughs) The nuns or whatever you want to label them. And he says this near the end of the book. He, he gives uh, an, uh, an idea for what we as the Big C Church can do to try and combat those of, that are all around us waiting and craving for a church to reach out to them with the community that they desire. And he says this. I thought it was so great that I'm just going to read it to you. He said, I'd like to discuss a straightforward but challenging idea to shift our reputation as a church Christ followers must learn to respond to people in the way Jesus did. Let me read that one more time. Christ followers must learn to respond to people in the way Jesus did. In other words, to reverse the problem of unchristian faith, we have to see people addressing their needs and their criticism just as Jesus did. We have to be defined by our service and sacrifice, by lives that exude humility and grace. If young outsiders say they can't see Jesus in our lives, then we have to solve our hidden Jesus problem. That's a challenge. So many people outside of the church, and I've had an opportunity to experience this in my own life, in my own walk. Almost seven years ago, I stopped being a minister. I got so upset at churches that I just stopped. I framed it and I phrased it in a way where I said, yeah, I just, you know, I need to take a break from, from being a minister. I need to take a break from ministry. And, and God provided. He landed, he helped me find a job that was great for our family. It helps me, uh, helped me mold and shape some other talents that I had outside of ministry. I keep telling people that I can't leave Apple because I'm not really good at anything. I don't know what I would do. (laughs) But it's been a good place for me and my family. But seven years ago, I was at a place in my own walk where I was, I just had stopped ministry. But see, there's this there's this group of people outside of the church. And so this job has given me an opportunity to be among these people who are craving something, craving community from somewhere. We see it all over the place. Why do you think that there are so many protests and festivals and parades and and all of these other things that happen all over the country and all over the globe? It's because people just want to be a part of something. And I think the challenge for us as a church, the challenge for us here in our town in Jinx, Oklahoma, is for us to figure out how we address people's criticisms of church. How we address people's wants and needs when we serve with humility and when we love people sacrificially the way that Jesus did. We can show the people all around us what community really looks like. 
what love really looks like. Sometimes that's going to be coming outside of our comfort zones. Sometimes that's going to be addressing people that we would not normally talk to because of what they believe or because of what they do or because of their lifestyle. But in order for us to reach the people who are craving that community around us, we have to get rid of the hidden Jesus that's in our own lives. We're called to love sacrificially. If we do, it could be transformational. If we do, we could save the people around us and we can give them something to live for. It could be truly transformational. But if we don't, if we continue to just serve a hidden Jesus in our lives, or if we continue to not make any real significant change towards humility and service in our own hearts, the results could be truly devastating. And so my challenge to us today, are you serving a hidden Jesus in your life? Or are, do each day do you wake up with your head off the pillow and say, God, how can I serve those around me today? You loved me so much that you died for me. How can I do that today for someone else? Father, thank you for this moment, this day, that you have given another day for us to worship you. Father, you are truly, truly amazing. But God, we sometimes have this problem where we forget that we serve a very mighty God. And Father, I think I know this is true in my own life. Sometimes that service is to a hidden Jesus. The people around me sometimes may not know who I am and who I, who, whose I am. But God, I ask that you would help me to throw that away. Father, help me to serve with humility those around me. Father, help me to show true community to everyone I encounter because this world so craves a family, something to be a part of. Let us as a church be that. God, we love you and we thank you for your son. We thank you for his sacrifice. We just ask this all in his name. Amen.